Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. What a week it has been. What a week it has been. Uh, none of us thought, hi, good morning, Emily. How are you doing? Sorry I missed you on Thursday, but we're here on Saturday, ready to go. Um, Yes, it is difficult. Christy Cahill, how are you doing? Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Uh, I'm speaking to my folks at the on on Facebook Live. Uh, hello, Egberto. Going to be to a peaceful rally tomorrow in Pittsburgh, PA. I have made donations of Planned Parenthood in the name of Pence and ACLU. Great. That's what we're going to do, folks. It's been a tough week, and I want to I, I want to first give you a little bit of encouragement. You know, for a long time before these guys had complete control of the, um, of the set. Well, I'll, I'll go into that in a, a little bit earlier. I just want to tell you one thing. Don't lose hope, number one. And number two, we don't need to be feeling defeatish. The reality is Hillary won the, uh, the popular vote. She, by a substantial margin. So let's not forget that. And it's this arcane nature of our constitution that means that Senor Trump is our is our president. But I think it is important that what we do now is first understand what happened. We're hearing a whole lot of stuff all over TV as far as what is the reason this man won the election. And to be blunt, it upsets me watching the coverage because what I'm starting to see is the normalization of Donald Trump. What I'm starting to see is they try to make this solely an economic issue and with that, we're going to take a little bit further. But let's get on with the show, folks. I named the show today, uh, um, unless we understand Trump's victory, we're destined to fail. And absolutely so. We're destined to fail if we don't understand his victory. Trump, the, and, and I subtitle it, Trump's victory was the abuse of racism. And I say that, I don't say that lightly. Right now, the media, including my good friend Michael Moore, is trying to carve a narrative that it's mostly economic and believe it that this that the problem that we're going through is mostly an economic problem which is partially true but as as uh, as my good friend uh, as uh, bernie sanders realized as well there is more to this than just economics and we have to understand that there is more of this to economics it is important that we understand Donald Trump's electoral college victory. And notice I don't call it a victory, I call it an electoral college victory. Hi, Wayne Penny, you will be attending a peaceful rally today. Blessed be you, go there and represent us all. Today, uh, uh, Colorado expected 800 to 1,000 people in solidarity. That is what we have to do. We have to show that, yes, you won, but you won, won not by a majority of people, and you won, and we will be watching you. Anyhow, it is important that we understand Donald Trump's electoral victory. To be clear, most voting Americans wanted Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump. She won the popular vote, and by now most people know. Hi, Nikki Rubin. Uh, welcome aboard. But in the blue states she lost, there is an important factor many are trying to deny. It, if they're trying to deny it, and we must not let them, lest we repeat the same mistake again. Folks, what are your thoughts? Let's talk. Uh, I will also be following the hashtag politics done right on Twitter. And please remember, my Twitter tag is Egberto Willis. Hermina Jackson Sanson, listening from Canada, welcome aboard. So don't forget, folks, 
Uh, go ahead and uh, follow me on Egberto Willis on Twitter. Also like the page Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis here on Facebook. And visit the, the, the website politicsdoneright.com. But folks, I really want to talk about a segment, a segment on Joe, Morning Joe's show that I think is important. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay. The title of this blog post is Panelist Colon must, Most Having It Hard Did Not Fall for Trump's Hate as the white working class did. And this is important for us to understand because this is the triangulation that Trump actually did to win. And I mean, he just, he, he simply took, he simply took Don, uh, Bill Clinton's modal, changed it to the different demographics and won the election, well, and won the electoral college based on that instantiation. Anyway, Professor Eddie Claude Jr., made an important point as Michael Moore and the entire Morning Joe panel were solely interested in a justification for white working class men voting for Donald Trump. As it turns out, also the vast majority of white women by 10 points voted for Donald Trump. Uh, yes, Nikki, you need to sign up for the newsletter. You can just go to egbertowillis.com and up there there's a red tab to the right that says newsletter and you can sign up for it. Anyhow, I subtitled it, White Working Class Workers Plight the Same as All Working Classes. In other words, we are all in the same boat, folks. But what Trump was able to do was split that boat of people up. And as much as they're in the same boat, they're together, they're family, he was able to split that vote in a very, very, very detail form. But anyway, this was the argument on, on, uh, on, on Morning Joe. Morning Joe spent a significant part of an uninterrupted 40-minute segment justifying white working class people voting against their interests by supporting Donald Trump. Professor Eddie Claude Jr., chair of the Department of African American Studies at Princeton, would have none of it. And this is what he said. Three points I want to make, said Claude. One, I understand that middle America and not only middle America, but folks who are catching hell in urban spaces feel a loss of power, a sense of powerlessness. I understand that they feel disrespected, but I also understand that a lot of people in this country feel that people are taking their stuff away, that, they're, that they are deserving. They're working their behinds off and they deserve more than they're getting. The reason why they think they are not getting more of what they are deserving is because the big government is taking stuff from deserving people and giving it to undeserving people. And the undeserving people are people that don't live in my neighborhood. They don't look like me. They don't have the same religion that I do. I don't want to marry my children to them. They are different than me. And those people have been attached to Trump. Not these black folks, not these brown folks, not these Muslims who are catching hell as well. Part of what I'm trying to get out, part of what I'm trying to get out here is not middle America lives in a bubble. It's not that I am some Ivy Tower, Ivy League philosopher doing what I did. What I'm trying to get at is at the heart of this country in deep racial animus that animates the very, very communities that we are trying to lift up, which we are trying to lift up all communities, not a section of one, not a piece of the other, but all communities. Joe Scarborough hit back at that comment with a poor interpretation of the data that reflect those voters as he admonished Claude that people that live by data should die by the data. Scarborough believed that because white voters once supported he, he believed that because white voters once supported, uh, one, I kind of lost my train here, white voters once supported Obama, that the country is post-racial. But you know what? I remember back when I was campaigning for Obama back in 2008, I read a Salon article about some of the canvassing that was occurring in Pennsylvania. 
I searched the internet and I searched and I searched and I found the article and here's what it says. The Salon article said this, and this should give someone pause. Sean Quinn of the Poland site 538, respected for its obsessiveness and irreprescience, recently posted a hair-raising story about a pair of Barack Obama supporters. Quinn seems ready to verify its source, but only after the election. At any rate, here's what it says. At any rate, it goes like this. A man canvassing for Obama in western Pennsylvania asks a housewife which candidate she intends to vote for. She yells to her husband to find out. From the interior of the house, he calls back. Honey, tell them, yes, yes, we're voting for the nigger. At which point the housewife turns to the canvasser and camply repeats, my husband says we're voting for the nigger. In other words, we're voting for Obama. In those cold collective words, those were some of the Obama voters as well. So it wasn't anything about post-racial or post-racist or anything like that. It was people who, what Obama did, what Obama did, Obama was able, and I'll go back to the blog in a second, Obama was able to articulate to these people that, yes, no matter what I look like, no matter who I am, I am able to tell you that I will make your life better. And after the 2008 depression, listening to Obama and listening to the same people that put you in that depression, your economic well-being superseded whatever racial animus you had or however racist you may have been itself. So that is important for us to realize. It wasn't that we didn't have racists voting for Obama, or it wasn't that people were racist and Obama wouldn't get elected. Is that Obama presented the right message. People were able to go beyond their racist beliefs. Unlike Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton had a problem in articulating a message. Hillary Clinton had a problem in articulating her message. And then we had a messenger, Donald Trump that was able to articulate his message by preying on people. And I continue with the blog, the blog. Obama got support because the country, Obama got support because the country was in dire straits and he successfully convinced even racists and xenophobes that he was better for their financial well-being. Donald Trump successfully planted a seed or activated their inner racism in order to get their vote. Trump's message successfully drowned out policies that Hillary Clinton presented over and over again. She presented the policies over and over again that should have been beneficial to those who voted against their interests. This racial dynamic is not easily reflected in the polls. Professor Eddie Claude Jr. understands that reality. Joe Scarborough and Michael Moore, whom I love, Michael Moore is a great liberal progressive activist, but even within Michael Moore's inner being, he cannot open his eyes to see through the eyes of others. He cannot open his eyes to see the world other than from a white man's point of view. And what I mean, I don't mean that in any denigrated portion because I love the guy. He is one of us. He is one of us. But he's also a victim of culture in not being able to see some of these things beyond the economic story, beyond these people being economically mad. Because I tell you what, in as much as they were economically upset, in as much as they were mad, Trump's message would still have worked because Trump was basing his message on a sort of nativism that even if they were doing well at this time, because remember, a lot of businessmen, a lot of other people, uh, educated white women and otherwise educated white men voted for him as well because that nativism was telling them, look, even if you're doing well today, tomorrow, just maybe tomorrow, when those others take over, you will be a victim. So I don't care how you're doing today. The nativism that I am preaching is important. That's Trump to them. That's what they were hearing. And by the way, I am not saying this out of not a lack of empathy. I've spoken to many of my Trump supporters and gotten that out of them indirectly. 
in asking certain questions, you can see that there is a group of uh, there is a group of our white brothers and sisters that see a problem in them not necessarily being the majority. And as much as the reality is, uh, this will be a white America for a very long time. They say in, in, in 2015, it's going to be a majority minority country. That's not true. That term Latino, and I'll finish the blog in a second, but that term Latino is a very dangerous thing because Latino as a demographic is a dangerous thing. I am a Latino. I'm a black man. I'm a Caribbean man. I'm a Latino as well. But nobody counts me within the Latino realm. Also, Garcia, the, the actor, is a Latino, but he's a white guy. And the second generation, he will continue and his offsprings will continue and assuming that he's, all, he's married to someone else like him as well. That will go on. So for those who are concerned that somehow in, in, in 2015, this, will, this country will be a majority white country for a very long time, probably for over a century. The browning of America is less brown than one might believe. But anyhow, let me uh, go ahead and finish this real quickly. The blog continues. Uh, let's see, where was I? Where was I? Let me just repeat that last paragraph. It's important. Obama got support because the country was in dire straits, and he successfully convinced even racists and xenophobes that he was better for their financial being. Donald Trump successfully planted a seed or activated their inner racism in order to get their vote. Trump's message successfully drowned out policies that Hillary Clinton presented over and over again, over and over again, that would have been beneficial to those who voted against your interests. The racial dynamic is not easily reflected in polls. Professor Eddie Jr. understands that reality. Joe Scarborough and Michael Moore are blinded by not seeing through the eyes of others. Empathy, folks. Empathy. We have a lot of work to do. But before we are successful at change, we must understand today's reality, not hide from the bitter truth, work through it, and then move on. If we are able to remove the scab, if I, wait at the, I am from Latin America. We are generally homophobic people. I am no longer homophobic because I was able to learn I was presented with myself being homophobic, and in doing so, I didn't like what I saw. I changed intellectually that I was wrong. After being changed intellectually for a long enough time, it went to the heart. That's how change occurs. You first have to acknowledge the reality. After you acknowledge the reality, you work on that, and then we solve the problem. What the media is doing with Trump by normalizing him, by also finding a reason other than what is the reason he really won. Yes, there's economic stress. Yes, a lot of these people want change. But what the change that he, the, the, the reason for their demise or the reason for the problems that they're having, Trump gave them a rationale that was all wrong. And in doing so, he has set us back several years. I mean, we'll recover. I mean, we're not going to sit back and just take it. We're going to be in the streets. We're going to be objecting to absolutely everything negative that they put out there. When, when they try to privatize Medicare, we will be out there. When they, try to pri when they try to cut Obamacare, we will be there. We will be doing everything, and, let, and they will be partially successful at times. But we will be there, and we won't let up. But at the same time, we must tackle the racial issues, the xenophobic issues. And, and don't forget, more, the most important issue of all, most importantly, hi, Dana Matisse. Looks like I called it all wrong. We all called it wrong last week, uh, Dana. So you're not alone. But we have to tackle these problems head on. And if we don't, we will suffer dearly for it. We have to tackle it. And this isn't race baiting or anything like that, but the most important problem is also the sexism. And I, I want to hit up black brothers. Not our, our white brothers, we understood we're going to go for, and I'm coming to the phones in a minute, we're, we're going to go to Donald Trump. 
because we have a lot of work there to do. But there are a lot of black brothers as well that actually voted for Donald Trump, not because they believed in Donald Trump's message, but because they couldn't see a woman as a leader. We must excoriate them like anybody else because sexism and racism and all the other isms are terrible. And that's what they did. These black guys that you see, that, that Trump got 15% or so of black men is not an aberration. It's not an aberration at all because that same cancer exists just as well in the black community. When we had uh, the hero vote here in Houston to give all rights to everyone, black, white, transgenders, et cetera, et cetera, it was the black churches, the ministers in the black churches that were one of the biggest catalysts to, to have that bill be unsuccessful. That's what did it. So we have to hit every type of ism, every type of people or folks that discriminate against anyone, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or otherwise. We can't let it stand because the result is the evil that we have or that we will have in the White House right now and the damage that is occurring right now. I want you guys to also go to egbertowillies.com and take a look at the blog that I wrote this morning on, on um, Joy Ann Reed. Joy Ann Reed had an excellent, Joy Ann Reed had an excellent letter, oral letter, of course, to the Trump voter. And it was searing and it was great what I did this morning and it's the reason why I'm kind of behind. I wrote out the whole transcript of the segment that she did speaking to the Trump voter. So check it out at egbertowillies.com. Later on, I'll be putting it up on Daily Coast as well. But anyhow, let me bring my callers in. Come on in, John. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Alberto. How you doing? Good morning, sir. Yeah. How are you doing this morning? No, I'm doing terrible. I mean, you know, I've been having problems sleeping for the last few days, uh, and last night I slept fairly well. But, I mean, this this was a disaster. Uh, let me – I think there's a lot of great – there's a, a lot of truth to what you're saying about the, the racial resentment uh, that, that helped uh, Trump win. I think there's a lot of truth to the misogyny that helped Trump win. But what I think people aren't talking about enough is that, you know, if you look at the Senate races, if you look at the House races, the Republicans did extremely well in both of those also. Let's look at the House races. They won by uh, almost 4 million votes. Uh, they had 59 million Republican House votes to 55 uh Democratic votes. So I mean, this is this was. Let me ask you one thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to cut you or anything at all. I want you to continue your narrative. But this morning, I went to. Uh, I in fact, I reblogged it. Uh, the Daily Coast had a message as far as how we actually did with the legislatures. And now I, you may want to look at that blog. Now I'm not sure that they they. Re, I'm not sure that we really had in the, in the House votes 4 million more Republicans than Democrats. In fact, as I understood it, the total amount of votes, there were actually more, uh, more, votes for, uh, more votes for Democrats than there were for Republicans in the House. I thought that's what the message, that's what the blog post had from Daily Coast. Well, I I think that's wrong. I just looked this up, uh, you know, and this is, I mean, I'm, yeah, I could be wrong. The Wikipedia page could be wrong, you know, but I mean, I don't think it is. I'll, I can, I'll double check it. And Let me just say why I think it's wrong. Assuming the, the fact that Hillary Clinton is winning the popular vote by almost a million votes right now, as we're counted. And given the, the, the fact that we know that most votes are generally uh, straight ticket votes, on the average, it's hard for me to believe that there's a four million advantage in the house. But I'll okay. I'll look well, at- yeah. As the show goes on, I'll look it up. But I mean, we we also know that uh, they didn't win back the Senate, and you know, we also know that uh, 
obviously she didn't win win the presidency. And so right, yes, right. so you can all of, that is, all of that is true, my friend. I want to ask you a question though, because I think you you called into the show on KPFT earlier and I think you kind of uh, pushed back at me when I said that the Democratic loss wasn't as bad as the narrative is. And believe I, I wrote that at Daily Coast, and ironically, this morning, there was another Daily Coast article that tried to make the same argument. And here's what I mean. Um, you are absolutely correct that we did win back the Senate, but we made gains in the Senate. That's number one. Number two. You're absolutely right that we did regain the House, but we made gains in the House. That's as well true. It's also true that we did regain the majority of state legislatures across the country, but of the but we but we won four of I mean three of the four or rather we we got three or got four they got three more we got four they flipped three. So I mean as it turns out. The Delta says that we've, I mean, if you look, if you don't look at us winning, if you look at us creeping up, the Delta says that we made some progress. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this at all. I promise I'm not. We should have done great this cycle. But what I'm trying to say is the narrative of this being a, like a, a catastrophic loss relative to 2014 is not true. Go ahead, Frank. Well, not no, because relative. I mean, relative to 2014 is not true. But I mean, here's what we have to deal with. Let's let's get yes. in with reality here. We have to right. deal with that Donald Trump and the Republicans, who are very likely, and I know McConnell's wavering right now. But I mean, you know, there is going to be immense pressure for him right at the beginning. To, first to, to eliminate the filibuster for the Supreme Court, right. and once that is done, then they can eliminate the filibuster for legislation, and right. then we have no way to block anything at all. All we do is we can protest and we can write to our you know, uh, Republican uh, Congress people and try to get them to change their mind. And you no, know, that, was fairly succe- that was fairly successful in 2000. And, I'm Let sorry? me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think their policies are better than our policies? No, of course not. Okay, then the next question is, do you think that their policies are, are likely to tank the country? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Ronald Reagan's policies didn't tank the country. I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that, that uh, I mean, George Bush – you know, until 2008, you know, most most people. Uh, I mean, it wasn't obviously the the job growth wasn't strong, but it right. wasn't people. I mean, the recession hadn't started, and you know, and a lot of people felt that the economy was okay. And the so, reason I'm asking, uh, the reason I'm asking you this, right, is that if you notice, I think I don't know, I don't know if you were on the on the um, you were listening then when I said. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't feel all that bad if McConnell went ahead and blew up the filibuster because my contention always was that they used the filibuster, uh, they used Obamacare as a, uh, as a call to say, we want Obamacare gone, and if we were able to do it, vote for us because we, if we get up there, we're going to kill it. But then when they get up there, if they don't have a 60-vote majority, they can't kill it because of the filibuster. So they can continue to run on, we're going to kill Obamacare, vote for us, vote for us, vote for us. My question is whether now that if they, they make it a filibuster-proof uh, Senate and they, they don't have any excuses not to kill Obamacare, will they? And the question is, let's say they do, which I am not sure they would, but let's say they do. First of all, an admonishment to the American voter. We... You and I and all my listeners and many others have been begging, begging the American citizenry to go out there and vote. Many of the people themselves who will be hurt more so by the demise of Obamacare and by Republican policies did not vote. Uh, Maybe because they didn't think the urgency was there. I think once and for all, we need to give them that urgency. May, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. A lot of people may die now. But what options do we have? One of the reasons I've, I've stayed with Hillary Clinton 
not that I liked Hillary Clinton, is that it was the best of two bad choices. And I thought you and I and all the others could work, at work the liberal base to force her to do as we wanted as time went on. But we got the worst option in Donald Trump. And it, it tells me then, let's, let's them have it. If they want to kill Obamacare, let them kill it. I, am, I, believe, I believe in my convictions. In other words, I honestly believe their policies will tank the country. And when I say right, tank but the I mean, country, you can't. Yeah, can I yes. can I go in that that I, that I feel that's really wrong, and I've really I'm, I've rarely you know severely disagreed with you. I but I mean, I agree you're basically I saying throw in the towel, throw in the towel, and then things will get so bad. I mean, this is like Jimmy Dore's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from TYT. His argument, you know, is mm-hmm. like things will be so bad, and Susan Sarandon, things will be so bad. That that uh, you know no. that, that everything's going to turn around. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence at all of that. You know, uh, there's John, look at George go Bush ahead. got reelected. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. George Bush got reelected after invading Iraq. He got reelected. It took you know three years after we three and a half years before the American people finally woke up and, and turned the tables on the Republicans in 2006. Uh, look at the stock market. First, everybody was saying, "Oh, look at the futures." Now look at the stock market. All these right. people who you know are. are uh, motivated by greed they love that trump won it's more money for them less regulation and yes i mean you know dodd frank will go out the window the consumer protection agency will go out the window and you know and yes it could it could crash the economy you know but i mean i don't want that to happen i don't want bad things to happen i want to convince people in these states in michigan in ohio in iowa in Wisconsin and in Pennsylvania, that they made the wrong decision. That we have that as Democrats, we can uh, help their lives because they were convinced of that with Obama. And I, uh, unfortunately, what 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 happened here? And this is why this is going back to my my whole thing with the House is that people are, you know. A, a small majority that voted for Obama and decided to turn around, they're motivated by right-wing media, and there really isn't a left-wing media that's strong like it is. Like, there's no Fox News. I mean, MSNBC is great at night, but the, during the day, you know, it's just the same thing as CNN. And uh, there's not a left-wing media that's as strong as right-wing media, and people are so gullible that they believe that stuff. They believe that the economy is bad, despite the fact that you know this it is actually much better than it was in 2012. But that Hillary Clinton could not deliver that message, and I agree with you that the main thing, the main. Uh, problem was that people didn't come out to vote. I mean, only 60 million people voted for right. Clinton, uh, and 60 in 2012, 65.9 voted for Obama. In 2008, 69.5 voted for Obama. And yes, people should have just, uh, you know, Clinton's not a great candidate, and that was a problem. Her strategy was wrong, and we talked about that on the KPFT show, mm-hmm. and that was wrong. But, I mean, you can't expect a perfect candidate. So the number one uh, you know, problem is with the people who didn't, didn't say, my choice is between Obama and Clinton, and, you know, yeah, Clinton may not be the best candidate, but I'm still going to vote for her. And, no, and that, that's the, the biggest problem right John, there. I, and then the second – John, I don't know – wait, did you have a second point you wanted to make before I come in? Yeah, I mean the, the the second point is that her strategy was awful, and this goes back to the second the, – the point that I was speaking about earlier is that we have to tell people, and this is what Obama did. Obama dismantled uh, uh, Romney because they he portrayed them – portrayed him as a plutocrat who would, would do anything to take jobs away from people, and it was a strong strategy, and it worked. 
and things were much worse than in 2012. Yet Trump, were, I mean, he let people, I mean, you look at the exit polling, and you look at even the polling before. I, I was looking at all the polling that was actually close to the actual numbers that happened in each of the individual states. And the two things that stood out with to me the most were uh, that people actually believed the emails. They thought that that was such a big deal, which is just unbelievable to me how people should, could have such bad judgment about this. And the other thing was people believed that the economy was bad. I mean, and look at the economy. And I, I'm not saying I agree with everything that Bernie says about all the issues affecting people across the board. But I also believe in numbers, and the numbers say that things are much, much better than they were in 2012, in, in and there's just no denying that. And, and I, Obama – Let me tell you, I, I want to jump in here because I think it's important. Everything that you said is, is true, but here's the problem, John. Uh, when, you, when you talk about there, a, a right-wing media that is, is great and a left-wing media that is pathetic, well, you know what we are trying to do here? We are trying to excite the base. We are trying to do our little part, and we're asking many other people to do this sort of a thing as well. You know, yeah, we, 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 we affect here, our conversations here affect three to 5,000 people a week. Okay, well, actually, uh, this particular show on KPFT, we, it's several more thousands than that. We need a whole lot more than that going on but we we're doing our part and of course that 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 expands geometrically as as other people talk around but that said everything that you said is okay but the question is you the a lot of these people need to see in my opinion now i i am i'm i don't want bad things to happen when they when uh mcconnell goes ahead and kills the filibuster i will be raised in hell when uh, they go ahead and, and, and try to dismantle Obamacare, I will be raised in hell. But what I'm saying is, you know, um, that, that they are likely going to be successful at some of these things. And the American population would have been deserving of that because, you know, a lot of people don't know. Yes, a lot of people are low information uh, voters, but also a lot of low information voters are willfully ignorant. In other words, they, and this is where I brought this, where I said we have to understand what, what's driving people. Nativism can be at times much more powerful than what's in your best interest. And that is the issue. A lot of people are united and they're happy because it, to them, they saw a country that was becoming multicultural and somehow they won't be the special ilk within the country. And as the country become multicultural, somehow they feel diminished. I mean, I don't see why. I mean, a multicultural country is great. I, I, having Thai food, Jamaican food, Peruvian food, Chinese food, talking about the different things that they do and learn. I mean, I, I find that so intriguing and great and wonderful. A lot of those folks in, in, in the flyover country that these people talk about, and it's not only the flyover country, sees that as a threat. And how and why did they see that as a threat? Because they were already predisposed to the argument, or they were already predisposed to the to the, to the message. And and Donald Trump was right there to give the message. And then we had a Hillary Clinton who was not ready to buck the message. Everybody's scared to talk about these issues. If you look at how they're trying to normalize Trump on TV right now, even MSNBC, you know they 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 they've been playing Michael Moore throughout the day. Michael Moore's been getting a lot of coverage. I love Michael Moore. But Michael Moore continues with only the Bernie Sanders message, and that is, look at the working class folk in, 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 in the hinterlands. Look at the working class folks, in the, the, and specifically the white working class. Well, the black working class, the Latino working class, the, 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 the Nigerian working class, the Peruvian night working class, they're all working class as well, and they've been serving, they have been suffering the, through the same ills. So why are, why are their reactions different? We all want something good. We all want, we love everybody and we want good for everybody. But what Trump did is work on that issue. And that is what separates the working class. And we have to, we have to first get that. Because if we get that, then we can do what I've always talked about. Unite Appalachia, the barrios and the ghettos. And yes, I know it's stereotypical. 
But we have to stop that split. We have to realize we are in the same boat. Trump, because we didn't realize we are in the same boat, and because nativism cuts across class, social stature, and everything, he won. Well, not won. He won the Electoral College because it was strategic. We have to understand these concepts because, again, you are absolutely right about all the things that are being good, but we also have to work at the minds of what's going on in people's head. You hear me try to do that at KPFT. I try to do that here. I really try. Let me see. Um, we, I'm going to come back to you in a second, uh, John. But Pantian said, isn't it about who excites them? HRC didn't excite people to vote or run a 50-state campaign. Trump did. Obama, Bush, Clinton, they were all just more excited. HRC sat back and thought she... I don't think Bush was more exciting than Hillary at all. The difference between Bush... I think... Bush and Hillary were just as boring. The difference is Hillary is a woman. Don't, and that's where I say, in, include talking to you now, Pantheon, Don, and all those that are listening. Um, what made Bush exciting and Hillary not? I am sorry. There's nothing exciting about Bush, in my opinion, that is. I found Hillary Clinton a lot more exciting. You know, uh, ex- and uh, Bush was more exciting than Gore. There were some other issues with Gore. Gore is another one who won the election, won the popular vote, and lost the election. Well, the election was stolen in Florida. So, again, my thing, let's see, uh, Dana Matiza says, James Comey is going to have to go to prison for this, too. We can start with his story. But <laughs> I don't, you see, Comey uh, didn't do anything illegal. What he did was wrong didn't follow protocol, but he didn't do anything illegal. So he's staying right there. But there was, in fact, a, dis, a concerted effort to go ahead and uh, make sure that Hillary Clinton had a hard time winning the election. Uh, let me go to, uh, I'm coming back to you in a second, John, but let me go to, I think this is Jack. Jack, come on in, Jack. How are you doing? Okay. Oh, I didn't know you uh, had, had me. It's going to say the same damn thing that... Uh, was Twitter was Twitter listeners that got over that one that won Obama's not Obama but uh, Trump to the, the Trump. White House right well I mean that were, uh, there was, uh, people uh, listen to Twitter let me let listen. me just answer that let me let me come back to you hold on a second uh, people listen to Twitter but. It's more than just listening to Twitter, but there's some, I'm coming back to you in a second, Jack, but I have to uh, hit up on, uh, on my friend Daniel Ledeau. Daniel Ledeau says, you can only work the minds of those of whom you speak if you begin to consider reasons other than racism as the reason for their votes. Otherwise, you, will meet, you, you only meet dismissal. Okay, Ledeau, I don't know if you came into the conversation late or not. Um, what I... What I specifically stated is so it's a conglomeration of issues why Trump won, of which racism, sexism, xenophobia, and all of these were a part of the reasons. We have to accept that. What I mean by that? Are all people who voted for Trump racist? Absolutely not. Hell, uh, let me make a confession. I have family members who voted for Trump, okay? So, I mean, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think it is important for you to look in the aggregate. In the aggregate, what occurred here, and what I'm saying is nativism played a huge role in his vote, and you have to accept that. You have to accept that, uh, that we look at the totality. There's a certain percentage. In other words, if Trump is trying to build a coalition, Obama built a coalition, a multicultural coalition of people coming together to do what's best. I mean, in effect, Obama built something that I'm talking about, unite the barrios, the ghettos, and Appalachia. In effect, that's what he did. All right? The mere, and, and I don't know if you, if you uh, listened to what I said about the, uh, vote, one of Obama's voters who likely now voted for him. But uh, this guy in Pennsylvania, when the canvasser went out, he said, yes, we're voting for the end guy. Okay? So, yes, it does play a role. And, it's not, and not because you're racist mean that you didn't vote for Obama or otherwise. Again, the dynamics are very complicated because people are complicated beings, but they are also driven by message. And Trump's message drove them. Trump said, Trump knew that he needed to build a special coalition and that he did. Everybody, including myself, raised hell 
when he when he spewed out to the black community and said, uh, "You live in you 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 can't you live in violence. You can't walk the streets. What the hell do you have to lose?" To a lot of elitist blacks, to blacks like myself, to others, it's like, "But wait a minute, that pissed me off because guess what?" The vast majority of black people are not poor. The vast majority of black people are not on welfare. The vast majority of black folks are just fine. But there's a higher percentage of black folks within their community than the average percentage of white folks within their community that are poor or need assistance. Likewise, white people get more assistance than black folks by orders of magnitude. That's a fact. More than anybody else, white folks get more food stamps. White folks get more of everything including corporate welfare. They get more of everything than any particular other group. I'm not saying that as a disparaging note. I'm just saying that as a factual statement. Now, the fact that all of that is true uh, and, and Trump was able to get to people's psyche meant that they had to be voting against their own interests. And the only thing that, that allows that to occur is for you to feel some other threat, that threat being the other. And when I speak, when I give my title as, unless we really understand his victory, we have to understand causality. That is what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I mean. It is important for us to look at the facts. It is important for us to not misinterpret the facts. I mean, uh, on Morning Joe, they try to make an issue of, they said, well, look, uh, a, a great, a, a large percentage of white people who voted for Obama came around this time and voted for Trump. So you can't call them racist. Yes, I can. And the reason I can is because I also knew that many folks who voted for Obama said, in effect, they were voting for the other guy. They, 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 and the way they addressed the other guy, they were racist, but they were looking into their own interests. Where Hillary Clinton failed is she failed to be able to articulate to these folks that whatever you believe, I don't care because I will still make life better for you. And Lador responds, maybe they perceive their, their interests differently than what you believe they are. No, it's not. If you, ask, if, you, if you remove the racial issue out of it and ask them what their interests are, which I have, including out there at Starbucks many a time, their interest is really financial. I mean, so that Michael Moore got it perfectly so. But, he, but they also believe that the other is, has an effect on their financial interest. And that is what Hillary Clinton was not able to tell these folks, was not able to articulate to these folks, were not able to have these folks believe that reality, that Forget about whatever racial angst, whatever xenophobic angst, whatever other angst you had. No, it's not only polling at, at Starbucks, Daniel Ledo. I speak to people all over the country because I have a huge base. And these messages come in. I have Republicans that are constant followers on, on, on Twitter, constant followers throughout my Facebook, which is over 30-something. I think it's about 30,000 folks. So, I mean, no, I, I've got a, a good sample size of people. And they, 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 speak, they speak because they respect the message and they know, that they, they know that I have no animus towards anybody, whether racially, culturally, or whatever. I'm just trying to do good. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing more, nothing less. So a lot of times, in, including a lot of my white folks would come and tell me their racial angst. Why, you know, they can speak, they, they feel they can speak to me, but they say a whole lot of things and they say, well, tell me why am I feeling this way? Why do I, I, I can talk to you, explain to me and tell me why it is that I am wrong. I got a lot of folks that talk to me in that, that, that have faith in each other that talks to me in that, that way. Okay, so get your data anecdotally, good to know. Right, Daniel, you're absolutely right. I get it anecdotally, but I also re read polls. Not only anecdotally, but I read polls. So yes, both of them are true. Look, I'm an engineer. I love numbers, okay? Sorry, I love numbers. But anyhow, so folks, that's what I'm saying. But let, I've, I've done enough talking. Let me bring some uh, some more John in. Come on in, John. Okay, yeah, I, I looked this up again, and I got I just got a reconfirmation on this number. Uh, USA Today is saying the same thing as Wikipedia, except that they weren't as updated. Uh, on Thursday, it was 3.1 million a lead 
for Republicans in the House vote. Uh, according to today's numbers on Wikipedia, it's uh, it's almost four million. So yeah, so I mean this this goes back to my case. I mean what you're saying about racism is absolutely true, but you know if you ask people. And I understand what you're going to say. If you ask people, they're not going to say racism. They're going to say it's the economy. But right. you know, when you see that there, I mean, in 2012, more more Democrats voted for uh, Democrats in the House, and now it's almost four million uh, Republicans. And so, to me. Uh, it's it's not only racism, it's not only misogyny, but right, the main message is economic, and there's no doubt about it. And it, it, going back to Hillary Clinton and her strategy, she totally pointed out racism. I mean, that was her whole strategy. Her whole stra- one thing we know after this election is that Republicans don't have a core core moral base. Because right. they elected Donald Trump. They do not have a core moral base because they wouldn't right. have elected right. Trump if they would have. And so uh, so they don't care about anything except their version of uh, economics and their version – their perverted version of morality, which is completely – which obviously doesn't include misogyny. It doesn't right. include racism because they, they're okay with that. They're okay with that, but as, as, as long as they follow the Bible the way we interpret it, that, that's okay. Okay, so, so you know, Clinton pushed on all these things. That was her whole thing is that Trump is unelectable because he's a racist, and he still got elected. So that strategy did not work. This, if right. you would have followed a strategy, and you talked about this earlier, you got so much pushback uh, when you wrote this thing, uh, I guess it was in July, about how right. Clinton – and we talked about this on your show. You wrote about how Clinton should follow Bernie and follow mm-hmm. his economic message, and I knew she wouldn't do that, but I thought she would make a, ha- a much stronger yeah, effort to try to talk right. about it, and she didn't do that. She put it in the platform, but she didn't do it on the stump. And that was the biggest mistake that she ever made. And and if she would have done that, she would have motivated. I think she would have won. I mean, the the results. I mean, let's be honest about the results. And, and that is true about what you're saying that it it was close. It was 110 votes in the three states: uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. So. So as far as that goes, those numbers were extremely close. But, I mean, she yeah. did lose – go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Okay, but she did lose Iowa you know, by almost nine points. She did lose Ohio by nine points. And yes. I think this is – I mean, yes, it's misogynistic. Yes, it is racist. Uh, she, she fought against that. You know, it didn't work. She didn't give a strong economic message, and you know, and that's what I think killed her. And but I mean, but I, I'm not discounting what you're saying about racism because the racism, it, you know, is out there, and it, it's that's what makes it incredibly disturbing. The actual results were because you know she did push on the racism. She talked about the alt right. She talked about uh, you know the misogyny, and people just. You know, didn't react to it, and that's that's so disheartening, right there. I, I tell you what, I am not disheartened. I mean, I, I mean, again, because I've worked on my own isms, uh, I know that it takes uh, time to get the message out. And unlike what Daniel Ledo who said, who said, go ahead and throw around your isms labels. If at vast amounts of the electorate, I suspect you will meet more losses. Uh, with that strategy until you can begin to wrap up your heads around the idea that, let's say, around the idea that progressive ideology is losing support. Actually, that's not true. If you ask Ledo, and that is the, the problem with mixing, uh, uh, mixing di- di- dichotomies, the truth of the matter is progressive values are on the ascent, and in fact, that is why the right is so much more, uh, is so much, has been fighting so hard, and in fact, the left has been pretty, pretty darn quiet for such for practical purposes because in effect the country is liberalizing and not only is the country liberalizing 
but most people are, in fact, they won't say it, liberals. You ask them the questions of what they want. And in fact, Daniel Ledo, you yourself is a liberal, but you, don't, you won't ever admit that, but based on the things that you want out of government, based on the things you want out of folk, uh, you know, the republicanism is just, it's just sort of a, a, a veil around keeping a certain group together. But the reality is most Republicans and Democrats want the same darn thing. Let's see. Uh, I tried to reason the facts about welfare, says Krista Cahill, and Medicaid, and they refuse the facts. Well, you know, people can refuse facts as much as they want, and usually it's a coping mechanism. If I can continue to believe that I am better than you are, irrespective of the evidence, if I can continue to believe that somehow you are flawed in as much as you are not, uh, that I, it allows me to live with myself in my own false reality. That is what much, uh, not much, that is what some of occurring in some of America right now. You're living within your own reality. And every now and then things get so badly that they, they suspend that false reality and after suspending the false reality, we get an Obama or we get somebody else. I am hoping, I am hoping that, first of all, we are going to go fight hard to be, I want Democrats to be, at this point in time, obstructionists, because this is obstructionist for a reason. Obstructionist to save lives. Obstructionist to save culture. Obstructionist to save the lives of our friends, neighbors, and friends. Obstructionist to try our best to make people live because there's a group right now that don't care they do not care you cannot take folks insurance and support away and then say that you care you cannot claim your moral and then elect a Donald Trump Joy Ann Reed had a perfect essay that she read today at the, the beginning of her show Please go to EgbertoWillies.com. I wrote it out. I spent the time to put it on, on to type it out because it was so good. EgbertoWillies.com. Joy and read. Go read that. What she said. We don't have to read it. I also put the video out there, and you can you can actually watch the video. It's easier than reading it. Okay, let's see. Uh, Ledo says progressives still believe demonization. They're demonizing the Americans is a winning strategy. I don't demonize anybody. I just tell how it is. And not only do I tell how it is, even if somebody is a bad person, I try to be, I try to be different as an example to see if by being different and an example and engaging them, they will change their ways. They would look at, in fact, a lot of folks have been taught that liberals are these crazy wide eyed people. And I spend the time to speak to folks and it's like, wow, I didn't know liberals, uh, could be compassionate. I didn't know live, which is, that is who we are. Uh, do you want to say something? I heard you, I heard you moving. Okay. Got me. Daniel is still on the bandwagon to steal the election through faithless. Ele- no, no, no. I don't listen to the, the, the elector. I, I'm, I've been pushing the elector story because someone asked me to sign a petition and I signed the petition, but here's the reality. I, um, I, you know, I don't think Hillary is trying to, to get the electors to vote her in or anything like that. They're not doing that. So uh, anyhow, hey, Wayne Penny, thanks for listening. Krista Hill, can you send me a clipboard copy of the Joy and Reed? I'll post it in, I'll post it in the, right under the video then um, uh, so that, that, that you can see it. The show is almost over. So give me a quick closer, um, uh, John. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that that uh, I really support the, all the people that are protesting, and you know I think that the support should turn to once Trump actually gets in office to legislation. Though we need to focus on trying, and I know it's going to be almost impossible, but I mean we need to focus on trying to stop all this legislation from being passed. And also in 2018, I want to make 2018 a repeat of 2006, where in the off-year non-presidential elections, Democrats turn out strong, and we can actually, you know, try to to take at least the Senate back. The odds are against it, but I mean, you, I mean, who knows how people are going to react to Trump? I hope, I hope people come to their senses. I think they will. I honest, listen, I honestly think they will because I think we are going to be working our butts off. Folks, thank you very much.
for listening to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Okay, my dear Facebook friends, um, listen, we are going to continue this and have faith. I mean, uh, we, you, you make it two steps forward, you take a step backward. You take two steps forward. Don't hate your neighbor. Don't hate the Trump voter. Talk to the Trump voter. I mean, you know what? Like I said, I even have relatives that are Trump voters. I and intelligent relatives that are Trump voters. So, I mean, um, there is a cancer in there that we have to get to. Uh, he is good at He's a good marketer. He's good at what he's doing. But we will get the job done. Please remember to go ahead and like my page, uh, Politics Done Right with Egberto Willie, so that you'll get messaging from it. Please visit egbertowillies.com and politicsdoneright.com. For now, I'm checking out. You guys have a wonderful day. It is my pleasure to serve. Have a wonderful day and bye-bye. <laughs>